title of this session is The Impact of a Fatherless Society. It uh, is an overflow session. We were full this morning. We had a about 40 people crammed into the 32-seat um, classroom, so I'm glad that you found your way over here and uh, uh, that you could take advantage. I hope it's worth your while. I think it will be. I hope it, I will challenge your heart. Um, I'm from Findlay, Ohio, um, so anybody here from out of the state? Good. Everybody's from Ohio? You're, where are you from? Well, I was born in North Carolina. Oh, wow. Well, we won't hold that against you. You're welcome here. Are you a converted Buckeye now? Wow. That, yeah. That was better than a no, but not much. So what happens when fathers are not around? Well, the most exhaustive research that's been done on that subject is generally recognized to be a book called Fatherless America by a guy by the name of David Blankenhorn. And he starts his book out with two frightening comments. Number one, the U.S. is becoming an increasingly fatherless society. A generation ago, an American child could reasonably expect to grow up with a father. Today, an American child can reasonably expect not to. His second comment was, fatherlessness is now approaching a rough parity with fatherhood as a defining feature of American childhood. Yet, despite its scale and social consequences, fatherlessness is a problem that is frequently ignored or denied. We're going to look at a film clip in a little bit that you're going to see what happens in a society without good, strong male influence. It is a growing problem in America and it will continue to escalate until finally we do something substantial to stem the flow because as each fatherless generation perpetuates the next generation, that will continue to grow eventually The ultimate result is anarchy because you have people in a society, in a majority, that do not know how to behave or what a proper value system is to conduct their life. So it is a serious issue that needs to be dealt with. Even Oprah recognizes that. Now I'm not a big Oprah fan, but she runs these... uh, Uh, life class sessions and uh, this is a gentleman by the name of Roland Warren he is the uh, um, past president of the National Fatherhood Initiative all of us Christians have heard the statement that you got a God-shaped hole in your heart that only God can fill right we've heard that only God can fill that shape that's in your heart. Well, here's what he says. Kids have a hole in their soul in the shape of their dad. And if a father's unwilling or unable to fill that hole, it can leave a wound that is not easily healed. And we'll look at some of the, some of the deep inner impact a little later on in the presentation about uh, what the results of that are. Have any of you walked into that, when you walked into that door, had a question in your mind and you thought, man, I, I hope I find the answer to this question when I'm, when I'm in here. Anybody have one? Yes, no, yes. What was it? Well, how to solve the dilemma. That was my big question. We'll answer that, I think. Anybody else? Alright. Well, somebody else had a comment. Um... 
whatever that first name is, Van Zant. One thing that prevents a man from being a good father is he has not completed being a boy. Now, I am really thankful for this, and this won't be a shock to anybody in here, but God created the male of the species different from the female of the species. You know, when God created the male of the species, he was outside the garden and he scooped up a handful of dirt and he molded it and he blew the breath of life into it and then he set man in the garden. So so men are of the dirt. We like to adventure. We like to get dirty. We like to do stuff. I've been all over the world doing stuff and adventure. I've spent three months with the... Uh, Sudanese rebels during their revolution. I've been to, to Africa. I've been to Tibet, into the heart of, heart of Buddhism. I've been to, to Nepal to introduce them to Royal Rangers. I've had a lot of adventure in my life, and I can tell you, men crave it. We love it. Women say to my wife, how can you let your husband do that? That's so scary. She says, well, I can't deny him what God's called him to do, but... but Give a boy a bike, and he'll be jumping a ramp by the second day after he learns to ride it. You know, give a girl a bike, and well, unless she's a tomboy, she won't be doing that kind of stuff. You say in my family, well, I'm, my kids are not going to play with swords and guns. So you deny them those toys? Huh. I had a little guy, uh, he's 17 now, kind of scary, but when he was about four years old, one Easter, he was in a three-piece suit standing beside his grandpa. And uh, I said, well, Elias, are you going to be bringing the message today? You are all dressed up for it. And his grandpa looked at me and said, you know, I was hoping that he was going to grow up to be a preacher or a missionary. But thanks to his Uncle Matt and his Aunt Cindy, his toy chest is an arsenal of weapons of mass destruction. And the kid wants to grow up to be a pirate. Boys... Just crave adventure. Say we're not going to have guns. Every boy's got a finger gun. He'll kill you with the finger gun if he doesn't have anything else. Don't let him have swords to play with. They'll use sticks. It does not matter. That is inborn in us. Why? We're created in the image of our Father. Look what the scripture says he's like. Exodus 15.3 The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Psalms 24, 7 and 8. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. And in Jeremiah it says, The Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. We cannot help that. We, that was inbred in the male of the species. And if you don't channel that in the proper direction bad things are going to happen. Because that's in us, and it's going to come out, and it's going to be expressed. Now, women don't understand that. You take a boy that walks into a a schoolroom that's taught by a teacher, and what's her thought? All right, you sit down in that chair, shut your mouth, and and listen to me, and an hour later, I'll dismiss you. Boys, we're not meant that way. Get me up, get me doing something. I learn best that way. I learned, that's why in Rangers we, we teach what? Tell, show, let them do, and then teach. Get them active. Get them going. It's said that a boy's attention span is equal in minutes to the years of his age. 
Yeah, well, I'm 74 and my attention span is not 74 minutes. I'll guarantee it's more like 15. Somebody's once said that a, that a boy is just a loud sound covered in dirt. And that's pretty true. Well, we're created that way. We can't help what we are. Now, statistics are kind of boring, but just to get an understanding of the issue that we face, let's just look at a few. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in in state institutions have no fathers. 85% of youth in prison had no fathers at home. 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 43% of U.S. children live without their father. It is a serious issue. We'll look at some specific statistics about boys a little bit later on. There are some serious consequences of growing up without a male role model. And uh, I've asked Dan Rather to come along and, and help me out this morning. So, let's see what he'll tell us. I think we can draw some comparisons. Great success story. They brought many animals back from the brink of extinction and millions of tourist dollars from all over the world. But, as Bob Simon first reported a couple of years ago, there's a dark problem in the South African bush. Game rangers discovered that a new group of juvenile delinquents has been attacking and killing the white lino. The lino they've spent years protecting. This is a mission to save the rhinos in South Africa's Pelensburg Park. Rhinos were thriving until an unknown killer began stalking them. A tranquilizer dart brings the animal down. Yeah, I've got a dart. The rhino is tagged to make it easier to identify. The rangers have to count these animals to protect them. 10% of the rhino population was being wiped out. 39 during the killing spree. Dead rhinos started turning up all over the park, and it clearly wasn't the work of poachers. The rhinos' horns hadn't been touched. The park rangers soon found themselves cast as cops conducting an investigation, and their first findings led them to believe that if they were to round up the usual suspects, they'd need a pretty large holding pen. That's because this is one of the prime suspects. A killer caught on home video terrorizing a group of tourists. It turned out that young male elephants were behind the murders of Killingsburg's rhinos. Many of the carcasses were were decomposed at first, and then the indications were there that it was elephants. Gus Van Dyke is Killingsburg Park's field ecologist. I must be honest, I really was skeptical at first, because you didn't want to believe it. Yeah, you don't want to believe that an elephant... Uh, is capable of killing on it. Why would they do it? Well, like juveniles from urban jungles, they'd grown up without role models. What's different is they don't have a father. Everyone needs a dad. <laughs> I think everyone needs a role model. And the these elephants that left the herd had no role model and uh, no idea of how to what appropriate elephant behavior was. The problem goes back 20 years to Kruger National Park, South Africa's largest. 
Kruger simply had too many elephants. In those days, there was no way to relocate these large adults, so a tough decision was made. Kill the adults, save the children, who were easy to transport to other parks. I thought it was a good idea. Dr. Heim Ebedes was the government veterinarian who approved the relocations back then. Did it occur to you at the time that you were proposing this, this notion that moving young elephants without their parents could be problematic? Uh, I did think about that, but there was no, at that particular time, there, there was no other option. The intentions may have been good, but the program created a whole generation of traumatized orphans drawn together without any adults to calm them down or teach them how to behave. Wow. You look at those young, young elephants, how terrified they are at the call. Where mom doesn't get up. Where the whole family's lying there, this little elephant is all on its own. It's a terrible scene. It really is. Years later, those lonely orphans developed into troubled teenagers. <coughs> That's when the killings at Pilensburg Park began. Like a police department facing a crime wave, the rangers photographed the murder scenes and put together rap sheets on prime suspects, giving them each names. And that's Tom Thumb. We've identified that Tom Thumb was in an area, coincidentally, where uh, a rhino mortality took place. Sounds to me like circumstantial evidence of death. That's right. Tom Thumb was under surveillance, but other elephants were caught red-handed. That would be a typical rap sheet. Just a, just a date and a short description of what the animal was involved in. April 26, 96, chasing white rhino. 4th of April, white rhino mortality. Aggressive interaction with tourist vehicle. Scout was building up quite a, quite a record. It was eventually decided on, at the end of that rap sheet, to, to cull, to kill this elephant. Five were killed in all. They may have been juvenile delinquents, but there's no reform school for elephants. When a gate-crashing teenager attacked Jock McMillan's place, however, Jock decided to take him on. This home video shows Jock face-to-face -face with an elephant who's just smashed through his fence and threatened a group of workers. Jock defended his turf the way an elephant would and pushed the troublemaker back out. McMillan is the elephant man at a private game reserve, and this elephant, the bull named Mafuda, was his biggest problem. Jock didn't want to shoot the elephant. His only hope was to provide supervision and discipline himself. Mafuda was your typical 14-year-old schoolyard bully, picking on rhinos by throwing sticks and stones. But get up close, yeah, that's okay. and you realize how big a juvenile delinquent is when it's an elephant. And those sticks are actually big branches. That's enough of that. The problem was even larger than Mufuta himself. He turned the reserves up and turned all orphans relocated without adults into a street gang. And he was the gang leader. Here he is sparring with one of his pals. The source of the problem was basically human beings doing something which turned out to be, to be wrong. And on that basis, we we're pretty much obliged to, to try and solve the problem um, before taking the, the drastic steps of shooting down. 
At that point, it seemed there was still time to study the situation, that a real confrontation was several years away. Jock followed the elephants night and day to document the rhino attacks. At first, the scene seemed funny enough. Mafuta closing down a rhino with his trunk. But the attacks became more violent. At one point, Mafuta spent seven hours stubbornly going after a group of rhinos. When Jock briefly managed to distract the elephant, the rhinos ran for cover. But when Mafuta saw what had happened, he charged off in a rage. Several weeks later, he attacked one of the same rhinos again. The thumb yes got on top of it, pushed it down, knelt on it, ripped on the back and kicked it. After another violent attack, time had went up for Jock and for Mafuta. Mafuta had to be shot. First, the vet fires a tranquilizer duck. Mafuta stumbles and goes down. The other elephants trumpet and circle around to protect him. The rangers, unable to go in for the final kill, call in a helicopter to drive the other elephants off. But one just can't leave, Mafuta's younger sister. Three times she races away to the cover of a thicket and comes back to try and rouse her brother. Finally, with the chopper hovering low, she has to leave him behind. She seems to know what will happen next. I realized it had to be done. But because you because I've been working rather closely with animal, you you form emotional attachments. The people at Peelensburg had emotional attachments too. Like Jock, they didn't want to kill their delinquents. They wanted to understand them. The rangers were baffled by the behavior of these young male elephants. It was strange, it was unprecedented. But then a pattern began to emerge and the reason behind the delinquency became clear. Clear, that is, to the parents of any teenage boy who's just started to shave. The elephants who were picking on the rhinos were all suffering from an excess of testosterone. And the solution turned out to be the biggest Big Brother program in the world. The Rangers went looking for big daddies, role models to keep the youngsters from mating at an early age when they can't handle those raging hormones. The problem you had here was young bull elephants becoming increasingly violent. And your solution was to bring in some even bigger bull elephants. It seemed like a very bold gamble. Did you lose any sleep over it at the time? There certainly was a potential for huge disaster. So from the same helicopter they once used for killing, they fired tranquilizer darts into older males, packed them up, and hauled them away to the Peelensburg Park in huge trucks specifically designed for huge elephants. The sign on the side says, we're on our way to kick butt in the Peelensburg. <laughs> Once they were established in the park, we took to the air to track some of those big bulls, brought in to teach the juveniles how to behave. 
I like to think that this problem will never occur again, but we've certainly learned a lot about um, elephant society as a result of studying this problem. You didn't know that elephant society was as complex as it turned out to be? I don't think anybody really realized just what the implications of disrupting that elephant society is. Back on the ground, we found the first big bull who was relocated here. He was busy establishing the natural hierarchy. This sparring should discourage the youngsters from being sexually active. That means less testosterone, and that's good news for the rhinos. It was like teenagers running on the loose. That's right. And all of a sudden, Dad comes home. Suddenly he's there, and Dad is very obvious to them. And in Dad's presence, we, we predicted they wouldn't try and assert themselves. And now, was it just Dad's size, or did Dad's behavior influence them? Dad's behavior as well. And here he comes. Intimidate. Is he trying to intimidate us? <laughs> yeah, he does have a look at his... See the signals he's sending as soon as you start talking. Yeah. He sways his head and makes his, himself... He brings his ears forward, he brings himself up on his shoulders. Yeah. He's sending you messages. And well, just what is the message? He's saying, I hear you, and you're a little bit too close for my comfort. I don't like you this close. And I'm bigger than you are, so you back off, not me. That's right. Yeah. I understand that message. Uh -huh. <laughs> Is that the kind of message she was giving to the young boys? Well, I think it's a lot more subtle than that. In other words, with humans, he has to be very extreme. With, with other elephants, he could be subtle. Yeah, I think we don't really understand. He, he realizes we perhaps a bit thick. Subtle or not, the Pelinsburg juveniles seem to be reading the message loud and clear. Since the big bulls arrived, not one rhino has been killed. And remember Tom Thumb? He may be the luckiest animal in the park, whether he knows it or not. Once near the top of the wanted list, he's been given a reprieve. The arrival of the big daddies knocked him down a peg or two. He stopped harassing the rhinos, and the rangers hope that when he finally gets a chance to mate, he'll be a new man. A new man entirely. And when he gets back to that position, hopefully he's had time to reflect. <laughs> Time to look back on his on his misspent youth and think. Well, I'm big enough now to cope with uh, with these with these females and and rhinos are just not not an option anymore. See any similarities between uh, their society, the elephant society, and our society? What happens when there's not male leadership? Males have characteristics, they have hormones, and they are going to be expressed somehow, some way. And in this case, it was uh, very interesting. Funny thing about that clip, I first saw that about, oh golly, 20 years ago on 60 Minutes, and, and you can download it for free from CBS. But so many people started downloading that they sold it. Now it costs you 50 bucks to buy the DVD. <laughs> but some things that, uh, that happens once um, a boy is, is placed into a, a maleless or a fatherless society, but he has a crisis of identity. He has trouble figuring out who he is. Typically, a male role model will help him to develop that, and, and he will establish who he is. Now, 
I'm speaking specifically about boys, but understand that girls need mentored by women just as well as boys need mentored mentored, uh, by men. Gender-specific ministry is absolutely crucial to developing the total person. They also need mixed ministry where they learn social skills and how to get along uh, with members of the opposite sex, etc., etc. But today we're speaking specifically about boys in fatherless societies and what we can do about it. They also develop a silent, deep-rooted anger. Most, uh, most boys, when they're young, will express their anger toward their dad because he will often use a two-letter word that's N-O. And so they will begin to develop that. Well, that doesn't always work if, if all of a sudden it's just a single mom that's given that N-O-N-O-N-O, pretty soon she gets tired of it, and she may or may not be able to do the discipline that a dad will. So a boy doesn't learn how to handle and what the consequences of, of anger can be without a dad. He has to figure that anger is good. It gets me what I want out on the streets. And then, of course, elephants, they herd up. Boys... Get into a gang. We need to belong to something, whether it's a family, whether it's a gang. We have a deep-rooted need in us. One of the basic needs we have is that need to belong, feeling like we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. They become uh, poor judges of characters. They've not had good role models. Perhaps their male role model is whatever their mom drags in from the bar on Friday night. Well, that's really a good influence, you know. So... Single moms have a tough, tough, tough job. They need a lot of help. Uh, they have a distorted view of sex and uh, what the relationship should be like with a female. They haven't had it modeled in front of them. They need to have a good, good model that they can uh, um, model themselves after. Well, let's move along. Men lay the foundation for boys in their journey to manhood. Helping them to discover who they are. More importantly, as Christian men, we show them that God has a plan for their lives. Look at this next little point I want to emphasize. Every man is a mentor. You are mentoring every day, all the time, to somebody in some way. Whether it's how you dress, where you go, how you perform your your duties at work, how you lead your family. You are setting an example. A mentor doesn't have to be good. It can be bad. But a good role model would be somebody that has a good godly lifestyle that he's very consistent in. Or a good moral lifestyle. But you are mentoring continually, all the time, every moment, every day. I like to say it this way. You cannot fool those people that see you in your underwear. In other words, your family knows who you are. And I hope you are to your family exactly what you project you are outside of your family. Because they know who you really are. And you're just destroying your mentor ability if you are two different people. So be consistent in your testimony. It's up to men to mentor boys. God was very specific about it. And Titus likewise urged the young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine, dignified, 
sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. So we need to have a good, consistent Christian testimony, and we need to urge the young men to be likewise. That's called mentoring, leading by example. It is a command. Earlier on, in this same chapter, he talks to the women about their charge to teach the young girls how to become godly women. So mentoring is a very, very critical part of a young person that's growing up. Absolutely critical. So how do we do that? Well, today's families and communities and churches bear very, very little resemblance to what they did 50 years ago. How many of you in here are from AG churches? How many of your AG churches have a Sunday night service? Very few. 50 years ago, if you didn't go to Sunday night service, you were on your way to that bad place. Huh? Times have changed. They are way different. Um, cultural has, has changed our society beyond its limits. Our kids watch TV, and basically if they watch sitcoms, what they're learning is to mock authority, that men are clowns. And, you know, I mean, let's face it. Hollywood, the media, the music industry, etc. are are tools that Satan can use as well as we can use. And he's doing a real good job of using them to destroy, to distort the image that a young lad has of what a man should be. For sure. It's, uh, it's growing by leaps and bounds. I, I can remember when, uh, when Clark Gable said, Damn, in, uh, in uh, oh, what the heck was that movie? Gone with the Wind. Gone with the wind? Oh, oh my goodness. Huh? Wow, now they hear the, the bad F word. You can hear that on regular TV. You've got to be very, very, very careful. The, the, Satan is going about truly like a roaring lion, seeing who he can desire. Well, there are some things that help out there. Uh, half of the boys that graduate from high school, let me give you a couple things. Half of the boys that graduate from high school uh, do not have uh, a, a dad in their home. Um, Tomorrow's hope for authentic manhood rests in today's boys. Who's going to lead our churches, our businesses, our schools, our universities when this generation is gone? It's going to be that other generation that's moving up with a distorted value. We need to be very careful. There are helps out there. I'll just name a few. There's one that's called uh, uh, Squires to Knights. And it's equipping men to mentor teenage boys specifically. Um, you can you can go online. All of these sites have websites. Uh, they'll give you a full uh, rundown of what they do, how much they cost, uh, what their training programs are, uh, etc. Then there's another one that's called Boys to Men for Christ, and that's basically for elementary school boys, boys age from five to twelve. Um, it's it's basically a, a book uh, that they go through. Then there's also uh, the Men of Honor. And uh, that's an after-school program that can be used. Somebody asked, can you do Royal Rangers after school? Absolutely. Find a house near a school like Cub Scouts. That's how they do their boys. Well, we can do Ranger Kids just as easy that way. Find a house that's near a school. Have, have the uh, 
second or first and second graders come to a ranger kids meeting after school, have their parents pick them up. Easily done. The church could have five or six of those going. Who says we got to come to the church to have Royal Rangers or any mentoring program? Heavens no. Can do it anywhere. I had an article um, in the Pentecostal Evangel years ago about how to reach a thousand through your Royal Ranger outpost, and basically that's what it was. You got to get you got to get outside of the church. You're not going to get that many to come, but you take a large community and you get you know you get ten women that are hosting. Uh, a, a ranger kids program after school program you'd be surprised how fast you could see your church grow another one is called saving our boys uh, and it's to encourage uh, and challenge men to mentor uh, by becoming a godly influence you can check all these out they're all good there are others I've got uh, several of them here but, but of course I can tell you this in complete confidence. The most complete, the most thorough, the most easily used tool to help you mentor boys is right there. It's the Royal Rangers ministry. It was not always that way. It was primarily our initial charge from the General Council when Royal Rangers was founded in the, in the early 60s was to be a camping program for boys that was modeled around the military. That was our specific charge. So in the early days, they called each other colonel and general and all kinds of stuff. But that we soon got a, a, away from that. But in uh, uh, right out when Ken Hunt, uh, after Johnny died, Ken Hunt served uh, as our national director for... Uh, uh, 10 years, and uh, the higher-ups, what's called the executive leadership team, uh, wanted us to take a good look at ourselves, where we were. So they commissioned what was called the Pastoral Study Committee, and they had um, pastors from churches of all demographics that came in and met in Springfield for a weekend. Um, and I was there as a resource, but what they wanted to hear was Tell us the experience that you've had in your church, your tiny little country church with Royal Rangers. Tell us the experience that you've had in your church that's been very successful in your big church or your big church without it or you've never had. And so all the stories we heard were very interesting and we began to see the gaps in the ministry. And I think it was best exemplified by a man by the name of John Palmer who at that time was a pastor of First Assembly of God in Des Moines, Iowa, was running about 3,000 people. And so he overemphasized a point to make a point. And he said, Jim Barger, I know you, and I've known you for years, and I know what kind of man you are, and I know what you do. I know you're a camper, I know you're an outdoorsman, I know you're an adventurer, I know you love boys, and I know that you use that outdoor ministry to influence boys for Jesus. And I admire you for that. But I want to tell you something. I don't have one guy like you in my church. You've got to give me something that I can give to my men to reach boys. Now obviously he had campers and all kinds of other men in his church. But he was making a point that we were just so narrow focused we were only going to reach just a certain amount of boys. You know why? Because primarily we had to reach the men. You can't reach a boy without a man. Okay, you got to have the men. So if we've just got, if we just had that narrow track, and you don't like to camp, then you're not going to get involved in Royal Rangers. So over the years, it took us a while to say, okay, you know what? We need to broaden our areas so that 
men truly can have other avenues other than outdoors. Boys love to camp. I've never seen a boy that says, well, I've seen a few now that we're in, in this age, you know. But basically, if you get a man that says, hey, we're going camping, yeah, you'll have a carload of boys. They want to go. They want to go camping. Most of our Royal Ranger outposts still have camping as an important part of their ministry, but not all do. I know one in Ohio that used to, their, their Royal Ranger ministry was just teenage boys and they had a dragster. And they worked and campaigned their dragster. So, and there's all kinds of things. There's sports. There's the trades. There's, um, uh, of course, the outdoors program. And there's the arts. And there's another one that I can't remember right now. But anyway, there are lots of avenues. And there are over 300 merits that you can use. And I'll explain those in a little bit. Exactly why merits are important. But Royal Rangers is a huge program. But even if you only need just that little part, it's there for you. It has been developed and refined. I used to, back in the early days, before we had that, it would say, okay, you need to teach a boy how to, uh, to do the fishing merit. Well, guess what? There was no material available. So if you wanted to teach a boy how to do the fishing merit, this was even before the internet, you had to go to the library and get your material. And I used to spend an average of eight hours a week just preparing my one-hour weekly meeting. Then the internet came and it was a little easier. But still you would have guys that just could not spend the time to develop those lesson plans or didn't have the talent. But if you gave them something, they could execute it in their their hands, they could execute that lesson plan. It's all there. It's all there in the Royal Ranger ministry. If you've never been exposed to it, you you can go online, uh, royalrangers.com, and just go through that website and it will lead you into just all kinds of materials and things that you can use. But men, it's only a tool. Because boys come to Royal Rangers because they like you as a person. Teens go to youth because they like the leader. People go to churches because they like the pastor. So it's, no, it's not magic, it's only a tool that you can use, and everything in it's a tool. It's much broader than it used to be. It used to be just camping, but now it, is, it literally covers everything. We have, uh, you, you can develop just all kinds of things. Now you might say, as one did when he came in, you know, we're from a really small church and we've only got just a couple boys. Well, Take some materials and get started mentoring boys. Or look at one of these other programs and get started doing something. Do something. Don't just ignore them and think they're going to grow up by themselves or they'll end up like them elephants. They'll end up committing crimes, joining gangs, using and selling drugs. Who knows where they'll end up because they've not had a male role model to help mentor them into what they needed to be. Provides an effective means of disciplining boys by using direct personal relationship between men and boys developed around a core of shared interests and experiences. Men and boys bond together by doing stuff. Women don't do that. You know, how how do women bond together? Yep, exactly. Somebody in the back row is going like this. Women talk. You put two strange women down in, in ten minutes... They will each know each other's complete life. They will share openly. Men don't do that. 
We do. We we build. And I used a, I used Janice's husband, John. I said, you know what, John Miltonberger is one of my dearest friends. I've known him since 1975, and we are really close friends. But you know what, I really don't know much about him. I don't know who his parents are. I think they were farmers. Yeah, that's about all I know. I don't know if he had brothers or sisters. But if my wife sat down with Janice, they would each know each other's complete, complete heritage within 10 minutes. In fact, I was teaching the, uh, the Royal Ranger uh, safety module to our, all of our Sunday school teachers and uh, our girls' ministries leader and, and our Royal Ranger leaders at our church. And, and I was trying to communicate to ladies that it's important to realize that there is a distinct difference between how boys behave and how girls behave and that there's a reason for that that's inbred in them. It's not licensed for boys to act up and carry on, but it, there, there is a difference. And I explained that. You know, men bond by doing things together building a Pinewood Derby car with a boy or whatever. And women talk. And one guy raised his hand. He's a, he's, I'm a fisherman and, and he's also one. He has a boat and he says, yeah, he says, when, uh, when John and I, when we take somebody fishing in our boat, if they talk too much, we never ask them back. <laughs> Guys basically don't like to talk. What is it they say a woman will, a man will say 2,000 words a day and a woman 20,000? Yeah. Anyway, we're different. But the program provides activities, things that you can be doing to build those relationships. And they are crucial to do that. Here are a few statements by other people. Men and boys are changed by what they experience, not necessarily by what they're told. Do things with boys if you want to build those relationships. Boys become men in the community of men. They don't grow up being surrounded by women and knowing what male values are. They need mentored. Masculinity is bestowed. A boy learns who he is and what he's got from a man or in the company of men. And he can't learn it any other place. He has to be around a man, a godly man, if he's going to become all that God intends for him to be. Mothers, they can do their best. And they can try their hardest, but they can never be a dad. They can, they can take them places, they can get them involved. And just about every single mom will recognize the need in their son's life to have a strong male influence. They need to be mentored. In order for the church to fulfill its mission to make disciples of all nations, it's essential that our boys be mentored by the church's community of godly men through an intentional process of growth and discipleship. Royal Rangers provides an excellent tool for engaging the men and boys of your church and your community in the ongoing process of building Christ-like men. Notice this. Intentional. How I highlighted and ungrounded, it will not happen by accident. You have to determine that that's what you're going to do. Your church has to determine that you are going to have a gender-specific influence, a gender-specific ministry in your church. And it has to be intentional. Will it cost you? Absolutely. You may have to give up something because you're going to be spending time 
your time when perhaps you used on a hobby or you used on whatever, you're going to be spending that time to influence a boy. Because, because you were commanded to do that. It cost me something. God took away. I'm, a, I'm an avid outdoorsman, a hunter and a fisherman. And I didn't for 20 years. Well, praise God, he restored all that. But anyway, it may cost you something. Pay the price because the reward you get. I used to say Royal Rangers is so much fun. And seeing these boys grow is so rewarding. I don't know if there's any reward left in heaven. Because it's just awesome to watch boys grow. In my 44 years plus, I've, I've had gold medalers. I've had a National Royal Ranger of the Year. I've got boys that are serving as pastors, as missionaries. Got a few that are in prison or have been to prison. Did I fail with them? Absolutely not. The results are not up to me. That's up to the Holy Spirit. It's only up to me to be that godly influence. And that's what we are challenged to do. Be a godly influence to boys. Or else the alternative is to let them grow up like those fatherless elephants did. And the end result in our society will be anarchy. Make no mistake about it. Any questions? Awesome. I cannot believe there's no questions. Any comments? All right. Thank you very much for being so attentive and attending. I appreciate your, your interest. Go back and challenge your pastor to get some active mentoring going in your church. If it's not Royal Rangers, something else. But get your men involved with boys.